Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast Minisodes. I'm Katie and thanks for being here. Today's email comes from Samantha and this email is great. I was giggling with her commentary. <laughs> Thank you, Samantha. Um, this is about the book titled The Holy Temple by Boyd K. Packer. Um, I'm sure most of you know, but if you don't, Boyd K. Packer was a apostle of the Mormon church. I believe he died in 2015. So this is how Samantha's email begins. She says, hi cuties. Oh, <laughs> hello back to you cutie. I found this book as I was going through some old things today. My mom gave it to me as a Christmas present like three years ago. I never read it, but I flipped it open today and landed on this page. Divide intervention with like a smirky face. <laughs> Literally every sentence of this story is extremely problematic. I was cringing the whole time. I have no idea what the rest of the book talks about, but if the title and this one story I read are any indication, it's all complete trash. But I thought you guys might find it interesting. Hashtag cool story, Boyd. <laughs> um, then she gives us some nice compliments and said, I say these things in the name of my podcaster, Sarah and Katie. Amen. <laughs> I love that so much. And also I got a little triggered there by just saying the words, I say these things in the name of. <gasps> okay, so she sent these these pictures and the first one is of the book itself and it just has this very intricate writing, um, like a filigree kind of thing that says the Holy Temple by Boyd K. Packer. And then she has a couple of photos of <laughs> of the actual inside of this the script here. So I'm going to read it and we're going to read what Boyd has to say together, shall we? <laughs> okay. On one occasion some years ago, I served on an advisory committee to the Bureau of Indian Affairs in Washington, D.C. Yep, I already hate it. <laughs> I had gone to Washington to attend a meeting of the to attend a meeting of the committee, Mrs. Hildegard Thompson, who was chief of the branch of education, announced at the beginning of our meeting that the government had determined to develop an educational program for underprivileged citizens, particularly those from the minorities. Hmm. A large amount of money had been budgeted to, find, to fund the study. The study was to be directed by a lovely black woman educator. <laughs> woman Okay, have <laughs> to add those qualifiers on there, right? Um, who had held a doctor's degree and who had obvious interest in the education of children. She had asked for an interview with the committee to seek our suggestions on what might be done. I said to her, since this is the Indian Bureau, I suppose you have a particular interest in Indian education. She consented that that was reasonable to suppose. Let me tell you, I said, about a program we have to educate Indian youngsters. Oh, no. I feel like this is just going to give me a headache, you guys. <laughs> uh, why would you say Indian youngsters? And I just know where this is headed, right? I think we all know the placement program. And if you guys haven't looked into that, and if you haven't listened to our previous episodes about that um our dear friend monica 
has been on a couple of times or we we've actually read her story on the show and then she came on herself and we've talked a bit about it and how horrific these Mormon placement programs for native people were uh yeah so if that's where he's headed which I think it is I'm gonna want to rip my hair out okay so he just said we also have a program to educate Indian youngsters. And I began, oh yeah, it's right in the next line. I began an explanation of our Indian student placement program. Everyone there was intrigued by the program and asked many questions. Oh, were they, Boyd? <laughs> I mean, maybe they were, people, people are fucked. I explained that many thousands of Indian children had been brought from government Indian reservations into the homes of Latter-day Saints. Okay, now we need to rephrase this, Boyd. They weren't, <laughs> they were not brought and just like, he's phrasing it as if they were taken out of something so horrible that the, living with their families within their culture was so horrible that you, oh, we brought you into our homes because we need to educate you and eradicate your identity, right? Like, it's not a good thing. <laughs> I mean, there are ways to help people without completely erasing their culture and their their history and even just their familial ties. Like, uh, okay. So, yeah, they brought them from the Indian reservations into the homes of Latter-day Saints there, they were accepted as members of the family and provided with all the blessings the family enjoyed, particularly including an education. So what he's saying here is that Native people just aren't educated. What? I can't even, like, I can't even say those words out loud without feeling shitty. And then he, he wrote this in a book and <laughs> wanted people to read it. Um... These children would always return during the summer months to be with the natural parents. Okay, I, I don't know if that's true, though. I mean, I guess I don't know for sure, but I don't think they were always returned. I think sometimes they were completely severed. And even so, it's like, I don't, I don't know. I just, it makes me feel really gross inside. And if any of you guys live or visit the live in or visit the Phoenix area, there's a really great museum called the Herd Museum, and it's dedicated to, like, indigenous and native uh, history and art and lots of stuff like that, and they have a great exhibit about these programs and about how horrific they were and traumatizing and all of the things that happened. It really, like, it, it's very emotional and wonderfully done. So if you ever have the chance, go check that out because that is what I keep thinking of when I'm reading this and he's proud of it. And then when you hear it from a person, from people who actually experienced it, whose families have gone through it, it's not a good thing. Okay. Two hours after the interview began, we were interrupted by our chairman, who indicated that the time allotted for it had long since passed and that we must go on with other business. The interviewer protested, saying, Just one more question, just one more question, I must ask this. I don't know if he's telling the truth here. She said, 
This is the perfect answer to our problem. This is what we will do to educate our underprivileged minorities. But I need one more answer. She did not word it that way. No, she didn't. The question she asked was this. How much do you budget for such a program? What do you pay the foster parents? They take care of these Indian children in their own homes as members of their own families. What do you budget? How much a month do they receive by way of compensation? Okay, it was then that I realized that I had missed the very point central to the whole discussion. We pay them nothing, was my reply. They give freely. They could not operate the program if we should have to pay them. They may not have money enough in the first place, but more important than that, we could not persuade them to do for material compensation what they will do willingly and freely without the thought of being paid. Holy gaslighting. Okay, first of all, they could easily pay and they should, I mean, maybe not should, but like they could pay, right? We all know how much money the Mormon church has, so they could pay. And he's so he's trying to say here that if they offered to pay these quote-unquote foster families, I mean, that's not what they are, but still, if he, they offered to pay, then they wouldn't be able to do the job correctly? Is that what he's saying here? They, let me read that again. In, more important than that, we could not persuade them to do for material compensation what they will willingly and freely do without the thought of being paid. Just sounds like you don't want to pay him. <laughs> I mean, what a weird, what a weird thing to say. Okay. Church members will do for nothing what they could not be persuaded nor compelled to do for pay. So he's really trying to say here that church members are doing everything for free just because they want to. But if you offered to pay them to do it, then they wouldn't do the thing. Like, I don't understand. Okay, well, here, I think he's going to try to make some bullshit excuse. Why? The answer is dedication and testimony. The answer is covenant. Mm. We are a covenant people. We covenant to give of our resources in time and money and talent, all we are and all we possess, to the interest of the kingdom of God upon the earth. In simple terms, we covenant to do good. Mm. We are a covenant people and the temple is the center of our covenants. It is the source of the covenant. So, okay, let me break this down a little bit. What this sounds like to me is they're not doing it because they're not, they wouldn't do it to be paid because they're doing it because of a covenant. So they feel obligated, right? They feel obligated to do this. And you're told that you need to give of everything, give of all your time, all your money, all your talent. Literally, he said, all we are and all we possess, we give it all to the interest of the kingdom of God upon earth, which means, as we all know, the Mormon church, that's just the term they use, kingdom of God, but that means the Mormon church. So you just give it all because you've been brainwashed and you there's this like just spiritual fear that if you don't do this thing, then you're not going to get to the celestial kingdom. That is the root of it. It's fear. <laughs> They're doing this solely out of being frightened of not doing it. It has nothing to do with the money. It has nothing to do with being good. It has everything to do with blackmail, spiritual blackmail, right? 
right? Oh my. Okay, I'm just, I don't know. I think that's about the end of the story. I don't really want to, well, let me keep going a little bit. <laughs> the Lord has said, I, the Lord, am bound when you do what I say, but when you do not what I say, ye have no promise. That's DNC 8210. You guys, when I read that, I remember scripture mastery. Um, and this is how we said it when I was taught it. I don't know if any of you said it this way too. When we were taught how to memorize these scriptures, we said it like this. I, the Lord, am bound when you do what I say, but when you do not what I say, you have no promise. Yeah, yeah, no promise. Oh my God, that's so cringy. Uh, okay. Our people are under covenant. We expect little more than the privilege of doing our part. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, we expect little more than the privilege of doing our part. So it's a privilege to give everything to the church, sure. Um, we find always that the Lord blesses us fat in excess of what we might have earned from him. As long as we do not serve merely because we expect the blessing, we do it because we are under covenant to do it. Gross. <sighs> come to the temple. You ought to come to the temple. Here, acting as proxy for someone who has gone beyond the veil, you will have reviewed before you the covenants that you have made. You will be reinforced in your mind the great spiritual blessings that are associated with the house of the Lord. Ugh. And you'll be weirded out and maybe have a panic attack because it's really fucking creepy in there. Okay, so yeah, like Samantha said, there was so much wrong with that. I mean, it was wrong and, and awful and problematic from start to finish. And how interesting that there's still, I guess, I don't know if this is maybe still on the shelves of Deseret Book, but I mean, it's still in circulation, obviously. Whew, that was a rough one, but thank you, Sarah, uh, not Sarah, I almost called you Sarah. Thank you, Samantha, for sending that in. And thank you all so much for listening and giving us support. It truly means so much to, to Sarah and I, to, to me and Sarah. <laughs> and, um, we just couldn't do this without all of you wonderful listeners. So big thank you. And we'll be back soon with more for you. Have a great week. Bye.